Miami, Senator Roger Marshall takes on the radical left. The inspiring Ray Ray McElrath Bay. The miracle story of Stephen J. Carino and his dog Oliver. And country favorite Shenandoah. Welcome, everybody. We have a great studio audience here in our theater. We hope you will come and join us one of these days. Uh, we have to keep the crowd a little limited because of COVID, but we are practicing very safe protocols, and we're making it possible for you to come and see the show in person, which is the best way to see it. Absolutely. And I hope you'll be one of those folks in the audience very soon. Well, I cannot think of any kind, decent American who is against civil rights or equality. I mean, an underpinning of our very existence as a country is all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. I mean, what's not to embrace in those words? But when politicians start redefining what equal or what a right means, the very meaning of such words are turned inside out and with it, our culture and our country. President Biden has made the passage of the so-called Equality Act to be one of his highest priorities. I mean, it sounds pretty innocuous since equality is a good thing. But the Equality Act, introduced last year by Nancy Pelosi, is not as it sounds. It adds two new designations in the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which was and remains landmark legislation to end racial discrimination in voting, housing, employment, and participation in civic affairs. The Equality Act would add sexual orientation and gender identity to classes of protected civil rights. Now, let me be very clear. This is not a minor adjustment. This would mean that a person who declares oneself to be homosexual or transgender would be given protections that are given to those who are biologically black or Asian, Native American or female, or who despite being a biological male would have to be treated as a biological female merely on the basis of declaring one's gender as female. Now, you may say, this doesn't concern me. Think again. If you're a business owner, you could lose your business license and be prosecuted for a hate crime and or discrimination for adhering to biblical marriage standards and declining to print wedding invitations for a same-sex couple. Or if you're a doctor and you refuse to perform a double mastectomy and hysterectomy on a 14-year-old gender dysphoric girl who for some reason decides to identify as a boy, you're in trouble. If her parents forbid the surgery, they could actually lose custody of their daughter. You say, well, that never happened. It already has. It actually happened to parents of a 17-year-old girl in Ohio who refused to put their daughter on body-altering testosterone when she wanted to be a boy. Men would be allowed to sleep, shower, disrobe, and live with biological females at a battered women's shelter. Men TSA agents who identify as women 
would perform strip searches on females. Churches would be forced to allow boys to occupy girls' dorms and showers at church camps or Christian colleges. And boys who declare themselves to be the girls are already participating in women's sports, by the way, dominating the sports and demoralizing the women and destroying any of their chances of athletic scholarships for college. And if I simply say God created male and female and it says so in the Bible, I could be sued for discrimination, lose whatever business I'm in, and be labeled guilty of a hate crime. A teacher was actually fired for refusing to use masculine pronouns for a female student who wanted to be treated as a male. And if you own a business that involves artistic expression, be it cooking, calligraphy, cake decorating, or making t-shirts, and you decline expressing support for a gender transition party, you can be sued, charged with discrimination by the government, and just right out, put out of business. The rights of a male pretending to be a woman will be protected, but your rights seeking to actually live as a Christian will be eliminated. You really should contact your congressman and senator. Tell them, stop stepping on the rights of some to give special rights to others in an insane unwillingness to follow the science of basic biology. Can I give you some science? There are two genders, male and female. We are assigned one in the womb at conception. Now we can have surgery and hormone therapies and change our physical features. And at that point live as a different gender, that's possible, but we can't just make a declaration that we are something that we are not and then force the rest of the country to accept that as normal. And let me just be gentle in saying, an act of Congress can change the law, but not even an act of Congress can rewrite the scripture. <laughs> Senator Roger Marshall represents the state of Kansas in the United States Senate. He says Congress ought to be laser-focused on getting help to the American people affected by the pandemic. The Democrats in Washington seem more interested in pet projects and blue state bailouts. And then there's the size of the bill, $2 trillion. That's more spending in a year than was spent on the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War I and World War II, and the Cold War put together. We're happy tonight to welcome Republican Senator Roger Marshall. Senator, it's great to have you here. Let's first start with the $2 trillion COVID bill. A lot of that has not one thing to do with COVID. What's up? Number one is I want to make sure America knows we want to help those who are hurt. And there's no, no doubt that this COVID virus has impacted some people, but there's so much good, good news out there. So why would we be borrowing $2 trillion from your grandchildren uh, to, to pay for this when less than half of it goes towards COVID relief? You know, there's, there's great economic news across the country. Unemployment in my home state of Kansas is under 4%. We're predicting a GDP growth of 9% for this quarter. Uh, so we need to be laser focused, like you said, on getting vaccinations into people's arms, getting people back to work and our kids back to school. If we accomplish those things, then the economy is going to come back. America is going to come roaring back. 67% of America's children are still not in school permanently. Mostly this is happening in blue states where the schools are just closed down. A lot of the teachers unions 
uh, refused for their teachers to go back into the classroom. You're a physician as well as being a U.S. Senator. You delivered over 5,000 babies. You've seen lots of humanity in the course of your career. What is this doing to kids who are isolated from other kids, aren't in school, falling behind academically? I, I know that there's a risk of COVID, but are there other risks that we ought to be talking about as well? You know, absolutely, Governor. And, and first of all, I want to say thank you to all the school teachers out there that are in the classroom. Thank you to those folks who are on the front line doing your job, just like the rest of us are trying to do our job as well. But I was actually on a phone call yesterday with pediatricians, just the concern about increased suicide and mental health problems uh, for our children. And you're exactly right. And I was saying this way back in May, that if we shut down our schools, that the uh, unintended consequences would be worse than the virus is for our children. I think that everyone is, is locked in on trying to get those vaccines into teachers' arms. Uh, but, but if you're a young, otherwise healthy uh, teacher, I, I hope you can get back to school very, very soon, even, even if you don't have the vaccine. And my friends, the American College of Pediatricians have said it's safe for kids to go back to school. President Biden's got a lot of appointees that are going before the U.S. Senate. You're going to be called upon, obviously, to, to vote on these. Uh, are there some that give you pause? I know some of your colleagues on the Republican side and even a couple of Democrats are a little leery of people like Neera Tandon for her hyper-partisan tweets and statements that she has made that certainly don't uh, reflect uh, the unity that President Biden has said he's focused on. Right. Well, well, Governor, I'm going to focus on the HHS nominee for just a second, um, Mr. Becerra. I know that the sanctity of life is important to you as an obstetrician. Yes, like you said, I've delivered 5,000 babies, over 5,000 babies. And uh, here is a person that's actively um, one of the most pro-abortion people in the entire country. Um, he, he, for instance, one thing, there's an abortion pill out there that he was trying to get easier access without any type of examinations for it. Wants to hand out an abortion pill like it's candy to people because of COVID. And, and what I called it was sloppy medicine. I asked him about it and he made some excuse, uh, but they could be missing ectopic pregnancies. Uh, they could be giving that pill to people that maybe, maybe they're nine months along and not nine weeks along. How do you tell how far a person is in their pregnancy without doing some type of an examination? So I'm very concerned about his sanctity of life issues. Um, and then beyond that, of course, he has no health care experience. So HHS, Health and Human Services, $1.3 trillion budget, and he's had no health care experience, trying to leave a COVID, lead a COVID response. Uh, he would not have made it to the interview process in your business or my business. <laughs> That's a great point. And, and I want to say how grateful I am for the strong pro-life position you take and the credibility with which you take it as an obstetrician. Uh, I, I know of no one in the United States Senate better qualified to understand when life begins and the entirety of the gestation period and why we ought to respect the human life in the womb and uh, up until birth and then beyond birth. And, and your championship of uh, the unborn is something that so many of us genuinely admire. And I wanted to mention that. Another issue that is uh, kind of touching upon the medical is that of gender identity. The president seems laser focused rather than just on COVID, but on making sure that uh, any person of one gender who just says, I'm really the other, without surgery, without any particular hormonal or surgical modifications, can declare themselves. I'm not asking you for a political view, but at this time, I'm getting some free medical advice. Is it possible for a person to just simply say, 
I have all of the biological characteristics of a male, but I'm really a female and just go ahead and, and live as a female and that that somehow magically transforms one into being a person of the other gender. Yeah, you know, you know, Governor, I don't think anybody in America think that it's fair to let a male, a person that's born with a Y chromosome, who goes through puberty, has increased muscle mass, all those things, there's nothing fair about it. I mean, don't you think that girl that's been training since she's 11 years old for that state 1500 meter championship, do you think it's fair to her uh, to suddenly, she's, the, she's worked her whole life, she gets up at five o'clock in the morning and runs five miles every morning and 10 miles every night, she gets to her senior year in high school. Uh, she's gonna, she may even set a school record, but still get beat by two people that are, not, that are not girls, that are not genetically girls. So it's not fair, you know, our whole life, you know, this American dream that you and I were raised on is that if you work hard, there's an even playing field. We, we respect other people, we love our, our neighbor, that, that, that we could live this American dream and have success. That is simply not an American concept to let boys compete in girls' sports. I, I don't care any way you look at it, it's not right, it's not fair. Hmm. Senator, I want to say thank you for your time today. Uh, we are delighted to have you here and love to have you back. And thank you for your service to this country. I want to say to our audience, you can follow Senator Marshall on Twitter at RogerMarshallMD. Also visit marshall.senate.gov to keep up with all the good work that he's doing for the people of Kansas and for the rest of us in America. Keith Bilbrey is standing by. He's going to tell us what other things that we have coming up on the show tonight. Keith? Well, coming up, the Disney and real-life story of Ray and Famar McElrath Bay. Later, comedian Rick Roberts and the Grammy Award-winning Shannon Noah. There's a lot more of Huckabee coming your way. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Well, welcome back. Now, my next guest proved that there was no obstacle too big for him to become a star safety for Clemson football. And he showed that no length was too great for him to take care of his younger brother when he needed him most. How this community came together to support them both is the subject of an inspiring new Disney Plus movie called Safety. I want you to welcome Ray Ray and Famar McElrathby. Good to have you guys here. I know, I know, I know. Glad to be here, glad to be here. Ray, you came from a very big family, seven brothers and sisters that you had, but uh, it wasn't exactly a walk in the park for you, was it? No, life, uh, as I would say, life hasn't been a crystal stair. Yeah. Um, but through through the struggle, it's, 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 it's been worth it, more so than anything. I've learned to embrace the grind, as one would say. You know, one of the things that I was impressed by your story, there were so many people that reached out for you and said, we're going to help you. Because, I mean, there were struggles academically and a variety of people, coaches and others, brought you into their homes so that you could live with them and become a better student and become more focused and disciplined. Was that just the turning point for, for Ray? Um, a little bit. Some of it was. I had wonderful individuals in my life, but I believe it was the exposure to things outside of my normal, um, I guess, environment that made it made the difference for me the most because it allowed me to see something outside of myself that I could strive for. One of the big parts of your story was that your brother, Famar, is younger than you. You were in Clemson going to college and 
he came to see you in college and said, I want to live with you. And it's not exactly easy just to show up and live with a big brother at college. And, you know, that wasn't going to work out real well. But he said, if you don't take me in, I'd rather go to a foster home than go back to my home. Yes. Um, I mean, that was courage on his part because it's something I wouldn't have done. Uh, I, I never wanted to go to foster care. But he, I mean, he's a wonderful uh, young man. So he, he knew what he wanted when he wanted it. So that was always important. And since he knew, it gave me a little bit more confidence to go with him. Famar, was it a uh, pretty big deal to move in with your brother at Clemson and not go to college, but uh, hang out with him and let him kind of be like a surrogate parent? Yes, sir. It was the biggest deal, honestly. Um, that was honestly the changing point in my life. Um, yeah, um, I feel like without my brother, I would have went down a completely different path and just not been, well, able to experience the things that I have experienced or know the people that I do know or have the connections that I do have um, without him taking me in and just deciding that he would be willing to be a father figure or a parent, even though he's just my brother. Well, I, I'm very glad he did. We have a, a little clip from uh, the Disney movie that we want to watch. Let's take a look. Mom's out of the equation, Faye. I love her, and I want her to get better, but we both know there's a chance she might not. So right now, I'm all you got, and I'm risking everything for us to have a real life, but you will not disrespect me anymore. That's it. North, you do what I say and when I say it. South, you go back to the system and wait on Mom. Your choice. What? North! That's what I thought. Mm, wow. I want to see it right now because <laughs> what a powerful moment. Wow. Is, is that exactly the way, the way it happened? Um, not so much. Um, a <laughs> <laughs> uh, little dramatic effect there. But, I mean, it did happen that you gave him an ultimatum. Yes, I mean, but it was it was the struggle. I mean, I tell people the struggle is still real. Um, mm -hmm. Even in that moment, in moments like today, um, things are still tough. Yeah. And so um, just seeing it uh, kind of makes me emotional about, like, because life is tough, and and um, I, I try to tell people to just continue to keep going. Um, yeah. Ray, what I love about your story, you, you've had some tough breaks. Injured had to leave Clemson football. You went on to play football for Division I, Division II, and Division III schools. No one's ever done that before. Uh, you build a career, get a master's degree. You've, you've been successful. Then you've had accidents and difficulty, a, a truck accident that could have left you permanently injured. You keep overcoming. I want to know why. Why do you not give up? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I know that there are other heroes mm -hmm. out there that are more important to me, um, that don't get the recognition. So for me to do some of the things that I do and know that there are other people out there doing more miraculous things, it, it forces me to continue 
to, to strive to do better because I know there's a lot of people out there doing the tough jobs that nobody's looking at, that nobody talks about, and they're still doing it, but here I am. I'm getting recognized for all the things that I went through. And there are other people going through tough times as well, but they're not being recognized and they're still going forward. And so if they can still push forward, then, I mean. Well, it's a powerful story, and uh, the Ray Ray Safety Net Foundation that you created is helping other people to do it. We want to see the film, but I want you to know something. You are a hero, and we love you, and thank God for you and for what you've done, not just for your brother, but for all of us. Thank you. Thank you. Keith Bilbrey, I want you to tell all of our viewers how they can see the movie Safety and learn more about the Ray Ray Safety Net Foundation. Well, Safety is streaming now on Disney Plus, and you can learn about the foundation by visiting RayRaySafetyNet.com. While you're there, you can also sign up for his newsletter, register to win an autographed Clemson mini helmet, and find links to follow Ray on social media. Next, get ready to laugh with Mike's In Case You Missed It news stories. And later, how Stephen J. Carino found his dog, Oliver, with unlikely help. Don't go away. Welcome back. Now, if you have dreamed of tracing the path of the Apostle Paul in the beautiful Mediterranean, maybe walking the path that he walked as he introduced the world to the gospel of Christ, why don't you stop dreaming? Go with me, October the 24th through November the 2nd. We're going to be spending an unforgettable time seeing places that you've read about in the New Testament where the church was actually formed. We're going to have the entire luxurious cruise ship for our journey all to ourselves. Space is filling up, so you need to make your reservation today. For all the information, go to thegreateststrip.com, and I'm going to look forward to seeing you on board the ship. From a human can opener to a robber turned housekeeper, we've got the news that you can sink your teeth into on In Case You Missed It. Our congratulations to Chucky Mady of Ontario. He set a new Guinness World Record by opening 24 full beverage cans in one minute by biting them ah. open with his teeth. Look at that. I want to be his dentist. Ugh. No, you don't. <laughs> Attention, Great Britain. That is what non-government dental care can do for you. That's right there. <laughs> by the way, Chucky is a mixed martial arts fighter. He has been biting open cans since he was 16. He's now 32. He saved a small fortune on can openers. A very, very small fortune he saved. By the way, I understand he also set another world record for the worst person to man a kissing booth. Can you imagine that? He seems so masculine that his name is Chucky? Chucky, I, you know. Like Chucky Tyson. Cheese? <laughs> but, you know, he, let's just say he could take a bite out of crime, I, I believe. <laughs> anyway, they say you can't good, good, good get, let's try that again. You cannot get good help these days. But in Florida, domestic help is knocking down the doors to get in. You know why? Why? Because police near Tampa Bay got a burglary call after some homeowners caught 19-year-old Marine Gavin Krim in their kitchen at 4 a.m. 
He had broken into their house, but instead of robbing them, he was cooking breakfast. <laughs> and he told the family, he said, go back to sleep. <laughs> Police There's say, no way. now listen at this. Police say he may have been under the influence of alcohol. <laughs> alcohol could have been involved. Maybe. You think? Could be bacon withdrawals. I don't know. Meanwhile, in Pensacola, Florida, why do all these stories come out of Florida? I don't know. A woman called 911 at 3 a.m. to report that a strange man was cleaning her house with a Swiffer mop and a dustpan. Wow. Here's what's weird. She was complaining about that. <laughs> I... Anyway, police believed that he'd broken some glass while breaking into her house, and he wanted to clean up his mess. Can you imagine this? I, I, no, I can't. I, that, I'm having a hard time with that. I, I got to say, I would just tell her, don't be so quick to have him arrested. I mean, he's got a profession. He cleans up after himself. This guy's husband material, right? Oh, you know, Governor, I, I'm just sitting here wondering whether I should tell you and Trey this or not. But please don't. Okay. No, please do, because Trey won't tell us his story. It's, you got to tell you. It's yours. honesty time. Okay. I actually had a third cousin that was like a professional <laughs> thief. <laughs> I, I can't remember the name Sorry, right now, but <laughs> she was big time in our part of the country. Oh, she was. Well, yeah. I'm not sure that's something that people ought to be bragging about. Now, wait a minute. You're from Arkansas. Yeah, I am. Proud of it. Everybody in Arkansas has got a thief in their family. You know that. Well, not everybody. <laughs> and they brag about it. So anyway. Boy, well, you're going to get some letters for yeah, that. I I'm know. telling you right. I'm, well, and I'm, I'm going to write you one. I'm from Hillbilly, Tennessee. <laughs> so, I mean, there you are. Anyway, one time she's in this house uh -huh. searching for valuables. Yep. And the owner was upstairs, and, and he woke up. And he said, what are you doing? And she says, I'm looking for money. So he just got up and searched with her. <laughs> yeah. Hey, did, did they find anything while they're looking for money? Well, not really. And, and you know, she, she kind of got out of the business. She, she just decided, uh, number one, breaking into houses is risky. It's illegal. Yep. You could get hurt. Yep. So, by golly, she just ran for Congress, got the job. Now she's robbing half of America. There you go. That's yeah. my kind of thief right yeah. there. Whoa. Uh, you know what? I'm thinking your third cousin might be Nancy Pelosi. It just could be. I think the fifth. <laughs> well, moving on to our next story. Everybody talks about the coronavirus, but nobody pulls out a ruler and measures it until now. Yeah. Now, to show how small a virus is, a British mathematician calculated that the coronavirus is only 100 nanometers in diameter. So to give you an idea, that is smaller than Adam Schiff's sense of shame. <laughs> it, is just, it is just a smidge bigger than the list of conservatives at MSNBC. Yeah. For all the trouble it's caused, they say you could take every coronavirus particle in the entire world, about two billion billion of them, and fit them all into one soda can. But if you manage to do that, keep the can away from this guy right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope those cans it. aren't filled with the coronavirus. Yeah. Well, just like a Biden impersonator at a Catholic mass, we better get out of here. But until next time, always remember... We read the news. Still to come, stand-up comedy laughs with Rick Roberts and country music hit maker Shenandoah. Visit Huckabee.
Welcome back. Hey, let's have a big round of applause for the best band in the land, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. We're always proud of them and the great music that they bring to the show. Rick Roberts is a longtime favorite on our show. He shares the Guinness World Record for longest stand-up comedy show over seven days. Now, he's been featured on Dry Bar Comedy, Pure Flix Comedy All-Stars, and Sirius XM Radio. And besides all that, he's just doggone funny. From Nashville, Tennessee, would you please welcome Rick Roberts. Welcome out, everybody. Hope you're doing good. Oh, shoot, I got to start my contact tracing app. All right. Make sure Bill Gates knows what I'm up to here tonight. So, well, I hope you're healthy and well. I'm not sure if I'm healthy or not. This morning, I stopped by for a COVID-19 test just on a whim, and I live way out in the county. I don't think we're doing it right. Our test was uh, multiple choice, so I circled B, and they gave me a Merle Haggard CD, so... I'm supposed to listen to that by myself for 14 days and then set myself free. Well, at least the vaccines are rolling out, and uh, I don't think everybody's on board. My friend Gary, has he wants nothing to do with it. He's like, man, you gotta be careful about what you put into your body. I'm like, all right, Gary, put down the Red Bull and slice me another slab of that baking cake, all right? I'll eat it in front of the mirror so I can watch what I'm putting in my body, just like you. But then it dawned on me, if we want every American to get involved and get on board with this vaccine, we just gotta make it edible, right? Deep fry it, slather it with icing, make it shaped like a rifle, right? <laughs> just go ahead and put it in foods. That's what we need, put it in foods we're already eating too much of. Give it to McDonald's, they got the drive-through, you know? Swing by there, get a Big Mac and a side of Pfizer fries on the way out, you know? Maybe you're a morning person, get a Moderna McMuffin, that's what I say. I guarantee you that people will be fighting over. Be the, that's the last one. That's my McDermott McMuffin. McDermott, come on. And to make sure it runs smoothly, we put Paula Dean in charge of the whole operation. She'd be great. So we're going to prep the area here with a stick of butter. Put a little blue bonnet on it. And we're going to inject the vaccine with a big old turkey baster. Get the old Paula Dean COVID-19 vaccine. That's what I want. Sign me up right away. I don't know, I think people, you know, everybody's trying to do what they're supposed to do, but some people just don't like masks at all. Like, I was outside of a Walmart, I was getting ready to put a mask on the other day. About five steps away from getting in there, I walk in, this lady's right in front of my face. It's like, sir, you don't have to wear those things outside. It ain't a good look and it ain't doing nothing for you. I took a step back, looked at her wearing a pajama top and socks and Crocs. <laughs> right back at you, ma'am. <laughs> You don't have to be wearing that outside. It ain't a good look and it ain't doing nothing for you. I mean, put on some pants. This ain't a Zoom call. What do you think's going on right here? <laughs> Karen? Uh, <laughs> I don't mind wearing a mask. My wife actually told me I look better when I have one on. Yeah, it took me a few days to realize what she was really saying. <laughs> the less of your face I see, the more I like it. <laughs> Yeah, the people, I tell you, though, everybody's doing what they can. I saw this company here in Nashville. They're, they're making hand sanitizer out of CBD oil. Have you heard about this? I don't know if it actually kills the germs or just makes them really confused. <laughs> what are we supposed to be doing now? Where's the nachos? What's the number for Grubhub? 
Uh, it's just so weird, this virus affects everybody and everything differently. I read where two gorillas in the San Diego Zoo came down with COVID-19. That just proves that quarantining alone ain't gonna stop the virus. <laughs> They've been in the same pen together since 1978. <laughs> but then I started thinking, shout out to the zookeeper who had to stick that Q-tip up an ape's nostril. <laughs> I hope they still have their arm. Even the crocodile hunter's going, ah, I'm gonna pass on that swab job, you know. I don't know, man, people are afraid of catching it on an airplane. I think that's the best place you could catch the virus. You know, you get shortness of breath, you just push that button, oxygen mask pops right on down. <laughs> I'm a problem solver. Yeah, there's all kinds of things going on out there, and we have a, had to learn so much new terminology this year. Even my third graders picked up on it. The other day I said, hey, what are you doing there, honey? It's like we're doing homework, but what does the term non-essential mean? I'm like, oh, well, it's something that's nice to have, but you don't have to have it. She goes, oh, I get it, like your hair. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, or your college fund. <laughs> hey, y'all been a lot of fun. Thanks for putting up with me tonight. Take care and stay safe, everybody. You know, Rick, you're one of the few people I know that can make COVID funny. <laughs> well, if you don't laugh this year, then you're done with yourself anyway. Well, you know, there's a lot of reasons that people have been uh, having a tough time. COVID, and then last week, snowmageddon across America. Man, we must have got two and a half inches here in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun, you know, my kids were off school for the whole week, so we did a bunch of tobogganing down the hill and everything. Uh -huh. And uh, you know what rosebud means, right? Yeah, I've, I just saw Citizen Kane again for like the 15th time yeah, last Yeah, tell week. them, it's no, there's no spoiler alert here, it's been 50 years. Yeah, it's, I think it's safe. If, if people haven't seen it now, it's too late. Yeah, so. ro Rosebud is a sled. The sled, yeah. And it's also the discount code of the chiropractors, I found out. <laughs> <laughs> I got all banged up. Did went, you really? I got all twisted up, and that guy was working my back like it was a Supreme Court nominee. He was just like, <laughs> pounding me from every angle. It got done, I said, what do I do now? He says, put some ice on it. <laughs> So I just went back down the hill with no shirt on. <laughs> Could have saved a hundred bucks right there. <laughs> no copay. Oh gosh. So you you've had to change everything over COVID. I mean, you know, you do all these corporate events mm -hmm. and you speak at churches and uh, for companies and businesses. All that shut down in 2020. But what did you do to make a living? Well, you know, the first month I just thought, well, this will blow over, and you know, it didn't happen. Yeah. So then I thought, what do I do? And that, the thing I kept hearing was people just felt disconnected. I did. I know you yeah, did too. Sure. We had to shut down the show a little bit, do it from your home. So I started thinking of ways I could connect people that work for companies and organizations virtually and do something that we never could do if they were working normally. So I've got a show called American Idol, I-D-L-E, like you're not doing anything. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's America That's America. It was. <laughs> so I get people to these different companies will have their employees or their members of the organization submit cell phone videos and I assemble them and give them a talent show and they get to learn about and connect with their fellow workers and fellow members in a way they never could have if they were just going about business as usual. So it's been a ton of fun. I've had a bunch of companies do it and they always have a great time laughing and they learn about each other and they're connected even though we're not in the same place. That is very creative. You've also got a comedy special called, I love this, Put down the sweet tea. Put down the sweet tea. <laughs> yeah, you can catch that on Dry Bar Comedy. If you don't know what Dry Bar Comedy is, it's a clean 
comedy channel, and it's an app on your phone. You can watch it online or however you want to do it. But you can download the app for free and get like the first month. So you can download my special, not pay anything for it. <laughs> and you get what you pay for. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we are always happy to have you. We love you here. And uh, obviously everybody can see why. You can book Rick's corporate talent show to entertain and motivate your employees by visiting AmericanIdol.live. Now, that's I-D-L-E, Idol. You'll also find his corporate uh, programs, comedy videos, and more at rickroberts.com. Listen for his Comedy Daily on Sirius XM's Laugh USA and Jeff and Larry's Comedy Roundup. Now, I want to tell you something. Keith is not half as funny as Rick Roberts, but he knows what we have coming up next. He's going to keep you entertained. I'll do my best. Coming up, how strangers helped find author Stephen J. Carino's Stolen Dog and Grammy Award-winning Shenandoah joins Mike on Huckabee. Next week, Mike welcomes mind-blowing musician Frederick Da Silva and country music star Lee Bryce. Well, I am a total sucker for a good dog story. So I'm truly fascinated by our next guest. Because when his beloved dog, Oliver, was stolen, he vowed somehow he was going to find him. The amazing story of how so many people helped bring Oliver home is in this new book. It's called Oliver, the true story of a stolen dog and the humans that he brought together. Please welcome Stephen J. Carino and Oliver. Stephen, I'm so happy to have you here. I got to tell you something. I would not live in a world without dogs. I just think they make us better people. They do. They do. Now, yes. how do you even start going and looking? I mean, it's one thing to lose a dog that gets lost and confused in the neighborhood. But when a dog is stolen, what do you even do to start looking? Um... You have a family that's behind you that knows that uh, you're, you're in trouble. Mm. Um, my older sisters knew that I've overcome a lot of things. We all have our bumps in the road mm -hmm. in life, and uh, they always had enough faith in me that I'd always overcome. But when this happened, when I called my sister Laura and said, Oliver's gone, um, her life went on hold. Wow. My sister Nancy's life went on hold. My sister Annette's life went on hold. They knew that this was something that if I didn't get him back, that uh, I would survive, but I wouldn't be the same person anymore. How long so, did it take you to get Oliver back? Seven days. Seven days. Seven days. And, and the story yeah. in the book is all of the different people that uniquely kind of came together to help you get Oliver back. Well, that's the thing about when you introduce the, the, the true story of a stolen dog and the humans he brought together, because that's what he did. And even though his beautiful picture's on the cover and it, it looks, and it is a, a dog, a quote-unquote, a dog book. Yeah. It's really the story about perseverance, mm. about faith, about the power of community, the power of these people, these strangers in Mount Vernon, New York, that took us in on the streets like we were there for 20 years. How did you get Oliver back? Did you, somebody 
give you a tip that led you to the thief or? Um, how did I get him back? Well, uh, he, he got away from the original people who had had, had him uh -huh. and uh, a young couple, Manny and Walla, who live in Mount Vernon, found him on the street. Mm. And they brought him home. Uh, they did not have any um, internet service at the time. They had just moved or, or into an apartment in Mount Vernon. So they didn't know the story was circulating on TV. It was wow. circulating on social media. Uh -huh. And um, on his way to work, one of the posters that was up on a telephone pole at a red light, he saw and he nudged his wife and said, you know, this looks like a lot of the dog. Uh, he, he temporarily called him Buddy. <laughs> and he said, uh, I think that could be him. So he called me and my sisters and I were sitting um, on a street in Mount Vernon at the time. We happened to be right down the block. And when he called, I, I, I took it seriously because I'd gotten sure. a lot of calls during the week. Sure. People were calling yeah. me from Florida. They were calling me from all over saying, you know, I have a dog. They, we had a wonderful insurgence of help. Yeah. And uh, he said, oh, I have this dog. And he looked awful lot like the dog in the picture. And, I, I, and it was him. And, and the great part, is he said, wait a second. He goes, your dog, what's his name? I said, Oliver. And he goes, he goes, let me try something. And he goes down to him and he says, are you Oliver? And he went crazy. Because you think about it, he hadn't heard his name in a week. I bet not. Not a week. Yeah. And he starts jumping and doing circles. And he says, sir, he goes, I think I have your dog. And I jumped out of the car and ran down the street. And, oh my uh, gosh. He jumped into my arm. I hope somebody got pictures of that moment when you we, were reunited. We do. Have a, we, we do. She, uh, Walla jumped out of the car and did a short uh, one-minute video uh, of him, you know, coming into my arms. And, um, and, and we had the local news come down and did a segment, and it was a beautiful right. moment. Before we run out of time, because we're about to. Yes. Did you find out who stole the dog and what happened to that person? Yes, he's in, in, the, in the story. I actually met him halfway through the... In, in Mount Vernon, face mm. to face, and um, did he apologize? Yes, and I forgave him. Why did he steal Oliver? <sighs> He's confused, and, and again, they don't understand. But you forgave him. I forgave him. I forgave him, and I immediately put the. Uh, I immediately put it on on God and my parents that they were going to help me. Wow. And, and that there was enough judgment in the world and that I didn't need to add to that. And that somehow, some way, with faith and with love, I would get my dog back. Stephen, thank you for sharing it with us. And thank thanks you. for bringing Oliver. Well, thank you. And I'll bet you guys never get separated again. Uh, no, we're, <laughs> we're pretty much together. Now, you can learn more about Stephen J. Carino and Oliver. And you can order the book, Oliver, and the Oliver for Young Readers edition from all your favorite booksellers at oliverthebook.com. Now, you're going to want to stick around through the break. Keith is going to tell you exactly why. Well, we have Grammy Award-winning country music man Shenandoah coming up next. You're watching Huckabee. Welcome back. You know, Shenandoah has charted 13 number one hit songs, including Church on Cumberland Road and the Grammy Award winning Somewhere in the Vicinity of the Heart. 
They got a brand new album. I got it right here. It's called Every Road, and it features collaborations with about every country music star that you can imagine. I mean, a few names, well, some of them you may not have heard of. Blake Shelton, Brad Paisley, Luke Bryan, just to name a few. Well, here to tell us more about the project are Shenandoah's founding members, Marty Rabin and Mike McGuire. Marty, Mike, great having you guys it's here. It's good to be Thank with you, Governor. Thank good you for coming. Marty, good to be with you. Here's what I can't believe. Last time you guys put out a new album was 1994. Yeah. Why have we waited so long to get a brand new album? It's COVID. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh, it's lasted longer than I thought. No, what a great answer. No, yeah. you know, uh, it's, just been, uh, it's just been years, you know. I, I'd left the group in 1997 and had been gone for 17 years doing a lot of preaching and... Yeah. and uh, uh, had a little old bluegrass band and stuff like that. And then for the for the last four years, uh, I, I started back with the band in, in, uh, in 17, wasn't it, Mike? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, no, 14, 14. Whatever you say, Marty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all could be married talking like that. <laughs> being in a band is kind of like being Yeah, it's sort of like that, isn't it? But anyway, so we had, we had uh, started uh, putting the wheels back on it and just just really felt like we still had a lot of music and still had a lot to say and still a lot of things that we wanted to, to actually do. It kind of, kind of proved ourselves musically. And then all of a sudden, this idea came along with Cole Johnstone, our manager. And uh, we just started, you know, working on it. We started putting this piece together. And he said, man, here's another phone number. Uh, call this guy. And, you know, next thing you know, I, I got Blake Shelton on the phone and uh, Dirk's Bentley. I called, that's the out-eatingest bunch you've ever seen in your life. Every time I called him, they were eating. Well, I tell you what, you must have got them at a good time. Mike, one of the things that amazes me, I mean, I'm looking at all these people that you've got on here. Uh, I mean, this is like the who's who of country it music. It is. It certainly is. You know, Marty's really the one that lassoed all these folks. We got a lot of them at the CMA Awards the year before we went. But, I mean, I'm amazed because most of the time, artists will not be that willing. I mean, Zach uh, Brown Band, you got Luke Bryan, uh, Brad Paisley. All these people are on this album. There's one thing I don't understand. You didn't call me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. No, yeah, that's okay. About that's that. all right. I, I would have said yes, but seriously, uh, this is an incredible project. It would be great even if they hadn't joined you, but the fact that they did, um, I think it's pretty phenomenal. So, obviously, we brought you here not to talk about the music, but to make the music. Can we get you over there? Sure. And no, have absolutely. you do some music for us? Ladies and gentlemen, I think you'd want to hear Shenandoah because I love this band. I want you to hear some cuts from their new record, and Keith Bilbury is going to tell the folks at home exactly how you can get this record. You can find Shenandoah's Every Road Everywhere Music is Sold and streamed. For information on Shenandoah's 2021 touring schedule and a lot more, go to ShenandoahBand.com. And after the show, go to Huckabee.tv for their classic hit, Two Dozen Roses. Now, here to perform is Shenandoah! I can 
Summertime 